It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. At Bunnings Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. Advantage to the Crusaders. It's against Rico Ioani. Moonga turns the ball back. Fainga Nuku. Oh, boy, they stopped him again. They have just your line. The numbers are there. Matera can't make it. Replacement, Mitch Drummond. Look at Christie though, coming with it. He's picked it up, he's in, the Blues are back in it. Gets through on to Cullen Grace. Picks up the ball and has enough momentum to slide over. They're back in it, the Blues. And again, the Blues, the kick, are in trouble. Knock has to stay. Oh, seven, Reese. Something out of absolutely nothing for the man who does it best. It's gone. That's well and truly gone. The Crusaders have won another final. Nice little shift, but who should be there to put him to touch but Sabo Reese? And the dynasty continues. It's just gone one o'clock here on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you, Marshy. Uh, I've, I've got to ask, because I know you've got a lot of friends in that Crusaders camp. Uh, how thirsty were you post that call? Because uh, it sounded like uh, uh, you were going pretty hard, particularly at the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Ricardo. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, yeah, I certainly was looking forward to a nice cold beer. Uh, you know, it sort of felt a bit like what the players were saying throughout the week, to be perfectly honest, after the game. And they were sort of mentioning, especially some some of those season players like Sam Whitelock and Scott Barrett, um, you know, even Cody Taylor saying how nervous they were. You don't often hear them speak like that. I think, you know, the, the enormity of the, the challenge at Eden Park combined with, say, they, quite a few of them mentioned... They probably haven't had the smooth uh, season that they usually have. A little bit of the unknown, haven't been tipped up to by the Blues earlier in the season. There's just a lot on it. And, um, yeah, I think it all sort of culminated at Eden Park in what was, I guess, an exhausting week. So by the time it came to uh, the final whistle on Saturday night, last night, um, yeah, I think everyone was feeling pretty thirsty, mate. Yeah, I bet, mate, I bet. Uh, now, I know you're back in Q-Town, and, uh, and, and you're going you're gonna to be with us for the next couple of hours uh, out, of, out of Marshall Towers, hopefully, uh, when you get home from the airport. But, um, I mean, you mentioned it. You know, the Blues tipped up the Crusaders in Christchurch earlier in the season, and for 60 minutes, they dominated the Crusaders. You know, they took their foot off the gas in that last 20 and invited the Crusaders on, and they nearly lost it as a result. 
but what do you think changed from that game to this game? What did Scott Robertson do differently? I think first of all, and I think I said it throughout the week um, when being asked about this final, you know, I think it was the dream final for the Crusaders because what, what Scott Robertson relies on he, is he relies on theming. He relies on motivating players that have been to the coalface before. So many of that side have won title after title after title. So many of that side have reached the pinnacle of rugby, which is the All Blacks. Many of those players have reached the even bigger pinnacle of rugby and won Rugby World Cups. So what you need is you need to continually create an edge, an edge within an environment that makes those players perform. Because when you're winning consistently or when you've been to the very top of the game, you do do need to stay motivated. And, And I think if the game was being played in Christchurch, a situation where they have won finals before, they're a really tough nut to crack here. In fact, they're invincible in that respect in finals football. Going to Eden Park and the players saying how nervous they were, it was the perfect storm for him to be able to just get those players on edge, get them in the right uh, headspace to go out into that final and execute. And I tell you what, that was very, very evident. Their game plan was immaculate. Uh, they frustrated the Blues defensively, where the Blues couldn't get any good ruck speed ball. They couldn't get any momentum second to third phase. They couldn't get the ball into the hands of Rico Ioane. Uh, Talia was spaced, even Peter because the Crusaders cut them off between that sort of 10 and 12 channel and, and made it really life really difficult for them there. So everything, I guess, that he wanted the players to execute, they executed to perfection. Defensively, with ball in hand, they dominated territory, they dominated possession. It was faultless, Ricardo. It really was. I can think of one instance where they made they made an error where I think Richie Moonga was going across field and he went to hit somebody short and he, and he threw it into the person and even then it bounced along the ground and popped back up into his lap. But I don't really recall them making any other errors in the game. You know, they were just so, so clinical. Well, I was going to say, the only other error I can think of in the game is the one that led to the Blues try. They certainly didn't create that. They, you know, that was a, a probably an error on their try line from the Crusaders that, that gave the Blues their try. Uh, it, it was, I mean, watching that game was an exercise in frustration for a Blues fan, mate. I was at a, at a pub, local pub, with a bunch of mates, you know, booked a table. The place was packed predominantly with Blues fans. And the frustration after 20 minutes was palpable. It was like, I don't know how we're only 3-0 down, but we just can't get our hands on the ball and do anything. Yeah, and, and like I said, that was that game plan. You know, the players were, were, were like I said, had created a great uh, platform during the week. They created that edge. You could tell that they were up for it big time. And right from that opening whistle and the early exchanges, they just completely sucker-punched the Blues out of the game. But they ambushed them. They, they didn't allow them to play. They didn't allow them the ball. Whenever the Blues got any form of momentum, they poached their ball. They attacked the line-out, obviously. Um, they attacked the scrum. They didn't allow the Blues to counter-ruck, which they've been so very good at this season so far. They've been really dangerous in that area where they've turned a lot of ball over. I don't I don't really recall, apart from Hoskins Satutu, 
uh, getting one a desperation uh, turnover on the line than really getting any other legitimate turnovers during the game. Um, and yeah, I, I can imagine that sense of frustration that I asked Leon McDonald that very question um, when we interviewed him live uh, for Sky Sport in our pregame. And I said to him, mate, you know that you have to go out there and win a final. You know that. You've been there before. Have you got the ambition to play? And will this young side of yours go out there and play with courage and make sure that they go out to win a final? Have, have they got that in them? And he, he did say, hey, we are where we need to, we need to play. And we are also aware of the conditions and we need to be careful in the way that we play. But I, I, I don't feel that they were allowed to play. I, I thought that they just got completely bamboozled by the Crusaders in the way that they attacked them defensively, attacked them at set piece, and just didn't allow them to get into the game. They basically suffocated them out of the game. Yeah, and that's how it felt watching them, mate. It felt like mm. uh, they did that. I mean... Th- it's. I know, it's been, I've seen a lot of people online talking, saying, you know, texts coming through saying, oh, you know, the Blues didn't turn up. I don't think you can say that because if the Blues didn't turn up, they would have been 20 or 30 down at halftime. The fact that they were only six or 13 down at halftime um, and that try really only came in the last minutes was, I think, says a lot about the way they defended. They defended incredibly well. The lesser sides would have been absolutely smoked by halftime. Yeah, they would have. With that mountain of position and territory, I, I thought on the night, given the amount of ball the Crusaders had, the amount of time, I think it was up nearly around eight minutes, they spent inside the Blues 22, that they defended really courageously. Like, they they at times, you know, think about flying a Nuku going for the corner um, early in the game and two cover defenders being across there and pushing them into touch. Um, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, when they were getting pressed on the line, the line, the line break again by Sebu Reese, and then the scramble defence to get back and get... But they were very good defensively, but, that, like, they, they hung on really, really well. So, yeah, they, they, they turned up in that area. There's no doubt about it. They, and they tried hard. But, but the Crusaders were just so relentless that they forced the Blues to force the issue. And because of that... And because they were trying so hard, and to a degree too hard, um, they pushed a lot of passes and put down a lot of ball. But that's because they were getting frustrated into doing that. They, they, they were, if they didn't try something around that fourth or fifth or sixth phase, they were, they were inevitably getting hurt at the breakdown and turning the ball over there. So they ended up pushing passes. They ended up trying to do things individually. And that kept hurting them. In fact, in the way that they couldn't get into the game. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, 8833 is the Temper Bed Post text machine. You can text through any questions or thoughts you have for us uh, throughout the day. We do have Matt Burke coming on after 2 o'clock with an Australian point of view. Uh, we also have da- Dan Bowden coming up, who's obviously worn the Blues jersey and the Crusaders jersey. He's going to join us uh, up shortly. But just before we do that, um, Marshy, this text come through from Andre, which I think sums it all up. I've never seen a game where every single bounce of the ball went one way. Well-deserved, a dominant display. Who needs the Aussie teams? <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it was a cracking final, wasn't it? And, and you know, I certainly ag- agreed to the fact that 
you know, the showcasing New Zealand rugby in that capacity was just brilliant for the game. Um, yeah, I certainly, I certainly do uh, agree with the fact that the Crusaders, whilst they made their own luck, um, they, they also got really favourable bounces of the ball, no doubt about it. Pablo Mateta's one, you know, the, the kick through, causing all sorts of problems at the back. The rugby ball sort of doing weird things. Um, you know, I, re- I, I mentioned the Richie Mohonga one. Um, a lot a lot of those 50-50 things did seem to fall in the lap of the Crusaders. But again, the intensity and tempo they are playing at, sometimes that's just the way that the cookie crumbles when you're, when you're playing at that, um, at that high, high intensity. Yeah, indeed it is. All right, well, when we come back, Dan Bowden, who's played for both, as I say, the Blues, the Crusaders and the Highlanders, actually, as it happens, is going to join us. We're going to get his take on the final. We'll have questions for him. If you've got a question for him, you can text it through double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine. It is 17 past one. Uh, dream on from Aerosmith, especially for uh, everyone, uh, Queenstown's favourite bogan, Justin Marshall. Um, get that on there for you, Marshy. Um, doing us now as a man who, I don't, know, I don't know how you were feeling, Dan, last night. I mean, I don't know, did you wearing a, a, a Blues jersey, a, a Crusaders jersey, a, a half and half, or you just on the Highlanders jersey and be done with it? Which, which way were you going? <laughs> Mate, I arrived in the Blues and left in the Crusaders. <laughs> always came, always good to take a bag with you, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate, you've just got to be like that Homer Simpson, and then, you know, you arrive on one and go on the other. Look, I'm neutral, mate, to be honest, neutral. Neutral, mate. I mean, I, I was talking to Marshy just before, and we just talked about how every bounce of the ball seemed to go the Crusaders' way. And, you know, as Justin said, you, you do make your own luck. What do you think? was missing from the Blues last night because they've been such a front-foot team all season. You know, they lost that first game to the, the Hurricanes that they really shouldn't have lost. And they've just about been untouchable the rest of the season. So what went wrong last night, do you think? Oh, a few things. Mushy's right, dead set right. There's no such thing as luck in games like that. Um, that's just weird. You know, preparation meets opportunity, I guess. And uh, uh, Crusaders simply applied pressure and the Blues couldn't withstand it. And where it went wrong, mate, it's pretty obvious. I think it's many times over, but the line that was clearly the issue. They couldn't get any source of position. I think it's nine from 20. Um, they won, so that in itself is a challenge. And then the breakdown, uh, it was always going to be difficult in slippery conditions, but they just, yeah, they just, they just couldn't compete in those two facets of the game. Uh, in terms of that line-out, I mean, I, I know, you know, maybe you, you probably haven't been in too many, but um, from the outside looking in, what what looked like wasn't firing because Kurt Eklund's been great all season. I mean, he's um, he's had a call up to the Māori All Blacks, and there were a lot of people saying when the ABs were named that he was unlucky not to be there. So, what went wrong for him? Do you think? Yeah, more than more than one thing. It, everyone, we always sort of lump the blame at the hooker, but the timing was off a little bit. Um, they got uh, squeezed at the front, and pressure got put on, got forced to go to the back, and then a couple of them were underthrown, especially on the goal line where they had a five metre. Uh, line out after the penalty. Um, they just anticipated and got in front. And then the Blues disappointingly didn't have a, a plan B. They, they tried to go to the overthrow and like a rescue line out, but it just didn't work either. And compounding error after error just made it hard. And to be honest, mate, by the end of it, it completely fell to bits. So it was pretty tough watch if you were a Blues fan, I, I think. Um, having seen their line out go well at certain parts of the year, that, that was a, a bit of a catastrophe, to be honest. Hey, Dan, mate, thanks for joining us. So appreciate it. Come on, be honest. You, you must have still 
had a nice cold beer after that game and just gave it a little crusade <laughs> on, brother. Crusade on. Come on. <laughs> well, I made it funny. I actually did because there was a lot of crusade players um, walking around up at the level five at Newport. So there was just a few sly winks here and there. Um, I saw Mossy Tuiliki and one or two others. So everyone could Beautiful. appreciate there was a few little uh, crusade on. But, mate, just shows you, eh, like, winning. Uh, rugby games at the death and winning rugby games in key moments and finals is so different to round robin games. If you look at like about over the night, over night the Premiership rugby final was on, and well there were better sides throughout the year than Western series, but they both made it to the final and it was 15 well. If you look at the Blues across the course of the year, high octane footy and brilliant to watch. But winning finals is not built on that. You go as far as back as the World Cup with South Africa, like it wasn't pretty, but mm. they win. So there's got to be something inside there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And the Crusaders, I think they, they I said to Ricardo, they created that edge for themselves. They, they created the, the, a bit of nerves and amongst some of their senior players who, you know, realised what a tough ask it was going to be to go to Eden Park. And they, they just fronted, didn't they? Like, you look at some of those players that a few eyebrows are being raised because they've even been named as All Blacks again. But when you see the little micro things they do in a game, you know, in the dark in the dark places, like the breakdown, you know, the amount of time Sam Whitelock was over the ball, Scott Barrett was over the ball, Cody Taylor was a nuisance. The tackle he made, the two of us a Sheik, tried to get on his outside, and he just bent it across and nailed him around the leg. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. those, those moments in finals, aren't they? Those are the, the players that step up and do the unnoticeables. Totally, and it's not always like a skill. It's a, a lot of the time it's an effort play, isn't it? And like, I why a lot of people question, you know, like, has he still got it? And it's probably one of the better individual mm. final performances you'd see. He was simply outstanding. And I, I know someone that uh, I think you're a bit of a fan of. But I'm saying you're, I thought uh, Cullen Grace was outstanding. I, I really yeah. think he was. Um, I, I thought he just carried and got inside shoulders all the time. And he provides uh, go forward. I thought he was really good, and, and uh, Tom Christie will tackle to, uh, to the Cal sometimes, so he was always <laughs> going to put a shift there. So, and Cody Taylor, mate, as we say, like, hasn't had the greatest season by his standards. I thought he was exceptional when big moments counted last night. Hey, so you've got your magnificent rugby brain, mate, and that, 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 is, a, that is a big compliment, believe me. Um, and, <laughs> and equally, with, with your coaches hat on, I want to talk tactics with you. Um, yep. What did the Crusaders do to the Blues to shut them down so well? Like, they, they looked real panicky on the ball. They made lots of errors basically in the contact um, zone, uh, trying to push passes. Was it the Crusaders' defence or was it, were the Blues, was their timing off? Like, Rico didn't... A uh, bit of both. A bit of both. What are, what are the, one of the changes I noticed, Mushy, was previously the Crusaders had gone like to a zero ruck in the first collision where they don't allow, they don't really contest and they just fold around the corner. They're quite like a blind folding side where they'll send two around the far side. This time, I, I noticed they actually put two in the tackle. Like they put two in and they stayed in and they really disrupted that momentum, which allows the ball to get to the edge. So if you notice, mate, Rico, Rico Ioane would have touched the ball less than a handful of times, I think, in 80 minutes. So the ball wasn't yeah. getting to that extremity to the edge often because the Crusaders, they contested the first breakdown heavier or heavier than they had in the previous times they played the Blues. They don't know it's spacing and, and, and uh, a fold to get around the corner without sounding too technical. And they allowed them to get off the line. And you look at the line speed and repeated line speed from the Crusaders, I thought 
knowing that the conditions were greasy, um, how many times they were rushed off a couple of set plays that the ball was going back shoulder or going out the back and the pass was spilt. I just thought, in all honesty, the Crusaders applied more pressure. And the Blues want to get to the edge. They need to play edge to get post-contact offloads and they want to get momentum from a yeah. sideline. But if you stop that, then they really got disrupted and they were forced to kick the ball away. And if the other part that I think you mentioned is that mate, some of the 50-50 kick collisions, they were won by the Crusaders. So Will Jordan got in the air. I think Leicester caught a couple. So they diffused that as well. You know, a lot of spilt ball falls into the Blues' hands and they can transition attack really well. And even that just didn't happen often enough for them. Do you... I know this is hard to, to talk about and to say, but we, you know, we've, we've got to go down that pathway. Do you think do you think tactically the Blues got it a bit wrong on the night? Like, I, I certainly noticed Richie Moonga, he, he took an extra metre and a half to two metres of space in terms of depth. So he was getting the ball uh, when he was getting it laterally. He had time to bring his other players. Whereas when Bowden was getting the ball, because he's been playing flat recently. Um, yes. But when he was getting the ball last night, he was looking like he didn't know what to do with it. He, he didn't have any time. And at times he sort of was dancing around. And, and, and then in the first, a lot of the time he just kicked it away. So tactically, do you think the Blues got it wrong? Did, did they get their game plan and their game management wrong? I think the game, the game, plan, game plan going into the game, actually, I think it's okay. I just don't know if they adjusted well enough under the circumstances, the conditions and the intensity and even the occasion. Mate, you're dead right. I, I sort of end, I sort of end on on an angle uh, for my, my seats. Yeah. And I quite noticed how uh, Richie was actually quite tight to the breakdown, but deeper, as you say, and going on an arc. And he was just sort of skipping yeah. outside that sort of lead defender. And that was it's unusual. Mate. So, again, maybe tactically they were bang on. That is the difference. So... You're right, I thought Bodie didn't get many chances to go flat at the line with, with what they call a load, like a system in the middle where there's two runners off him. He didn't, I didn't see him getting to load the defence at all with that. Um, so I think, conversely, the Crusaders disrupted their momentum and then maybe the Crusaders just had a slightly better attack plan and Richie was skipping across field more than he had done previously. Um, mm. and I, you notice the change, even when Tamaiti Williams came on, there was a real interesting point in that back half of the second half where he had some big bodies running really hard and square and direct and then just throwing that little pass out the back and it allowed Richie and Will Jordan to turn the corner on that defensive line and that's hard to stop from there. Uh, I think, gentlemen, another, um, someone that we haven't mentioned yet that deserves maybe not quite a standing ovation but, geez, he put a lot of common sense to use has, has been O'Keefe. There were a couple of times there where the TMO got a bit carried away and he went, no, mate, these are rugby collisions. Um, we've seen collisions this season, you know, Adrian Choate against the Brumbies for one with a head clash. Tom Banks, when he got knocked out, rugby collisions, both those guys got carded. Ben O'Keefe didn't see the point in doing that in the final, kept everyone on the paddock, and I don't think he made a bad call. Uh, Dan, I think it's the kind of refereeing we want to see. He actually used something that's been missing from, uh, from refereeing for a while, and that's common sense. Oh, I thought he did really well. I agree with you, mate. Oh, the first couple of collisions, I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be a yellow card and then another yellow card and we were just going to be robbed of a good contest. Uh, to be fair to him, mate, the pressure was on him because if you look at that the week before the semi-final against the Brumbies, there's a pretty contentious decision in the last 60 seconds of play uh, where he maybe sort of let it go. So I think the finger was pointed at him well and truly during the week. And to give him credit, he stood up and I thought the contest was pretty good considering for a final. Marshy? 
You, you have a take on yeah, that? Yeah, look, I, I agree. I totally agree. And, and it really warmed my heart to see a referee understanding how a player feels when a player gets caught in totally. a compromised position in contact where they're not intentionally trying to collide heads with somebody. They're not intentionally trying to halfway knock themselves out as well. That, that, that <laughs> the actions of both players resulted in an accidental head collision. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that Ben O'Keefe was outstanding on the night. Um, I think they probably, in a nutshell, got to find a Nuku um, decision right um, you know, early in the game uh, because they couldn't see any clear evidence and the rest of it was faultless. So, yeah, really commendable the way he refereed that game. Uh, you know, I certainly think that um, it was it was it was great, like you said, that we had a referee refereeing with common sense. So, look, I, I guess Dan, just finally before we get you to um, um, move on and and, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, mate. Um, do you think this is a lesson that the Blues can learn? Like, you know, that that, that will be bitterly disappointing for them. They've got a, a lot of youth in that side, but they equally have some experience in there. You know, like. You want there's Rico and uh, Akira and Bowden and even Christie. They've been around and played a lot of rugby. So is, is it that big a step backwards for them, or do you think that they still have the ability to go and, and win a final? No, absolutely. I still think they do. I think uh, they've got a great roster and a great roster moving forward. And those players are back, uh, those names you mentioned as well. And I think they'll continue to build from here. I just think, simply put, on the night, mate, they just got outplayed, and mm. we haven't seen a lineup performance as poor as that from the Blues all season. And it just came at the worst moment for them. And then, I suppose the other side of the coin, as you say, the Crusaders were the ones who applied that pressure, and, and the Blues did, for their sake, didn't stand up. So, to answer the question, mate, I think they will um, move on in a good, direct, positive step from here. I reckon they've got the basis of a pretty solid team for the next two to three years. A lot of emerging talent. Um, coming up and underneath um, players that played some rugby during those sort of midweek catch-up games this year, they got exposed to. Um, so, Matt, I think they'll, I think they'll be a good start. And then the Crusaders, you look at, you know, there are some war horses in that group who um, are dragging some players along, and um, they're going to have to go through a rebuild phase at some stage. Absolutely, you're bang on. Oh, well, mate, once again, thanks for joining us. Um, as a former Crusader, if you feel inspired to get on a plane, the Bears are at uh, Sam Whitelock's woolshed, I believe. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty hard. That's a pretty hard invite to turn down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan's packing a bag as we speak. He's packing a bag as we speak. Mate. Hey, thanks very much for coming on, bro. I really appreciate it. Go well. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. No worries, Chair team. Take it easy. Yeah, you too, mate. Uh, Dan Bowden there with us, uh, as mentioned at the top. There's. Played for a few clubs, Crusaders, Blues, Highlanders. Even played at the Leicester Tigers, or see had a win overnight, Marshy. So he's uh, he's been he's been around the traps. He's uh, certainly certainly seen the world with the uh, with the old oval ball. Yeah, and and I I believe that that you know, some people say that they find when you move around clubs like that uh, that to be disruptive. Um, I actually, when I eventually did it um, and played, you know, for four clubs when I was overseas, it was really cool going around different environments, experiencing different cultures um, and and experience success, experience a bit of heartbreak because you mentioned the Leicester Tigers. My last game of professional rugby, I played for Saracens against Leicester Tigers at Twickenham and 
they beat us in the final moments of a game, and it was a game we should never have lost. One of those ones, Ricardo. One so of... Thanks for bringing that up on my happy crusade this Sunday, mate. <laughs> Just bring you back down to earth, mate. Bring you back down to earth. Hell yes. Oh, Hell yes. dear, dear. Sorry, mate. I apologise. I apologise profusely um, for that. Uh, keep your uh, texts coming through. Double eight, double three. the Temper Bedpost text machine or 0800 150 If you've got a question for Justin, comment you want to make on the game from last night. After 2 o'clock, Matt Burke is going to join us out of Australia. We'll get his take on the final. And on the word coming out of Rugby Australia that they might walk away from Super Rugby after 2023. A decision... But when I talked yesterday, was it yesterday? No, it was Friday. It's all catching up on me, Marshy. I, uh, uh, I talked to a former Wallaby. He said it was the worst idea he had ever heard. Um, I'll talk more about that after this on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. At Bunnings Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Yes, plenty of blue, blue sorts last night uh, leaving Eden Park, that's for sure. Uh, keep your texts coming through, double eight, double three. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. Justin Marshall, Ricardo, Paul with you. And Bruce is on the line. G'day, Bruce. How are you? Um, Ricardo, outstanding. Um, I apologise. I've been busy doing lawns and gardening, and I haven't listened to very much of the programme, but um, may I make a comment about the game and then ask Justin a question? Sure. The I'm incredibly, um, outstandingly proud that um, with all the talk that the Blues had a perfect season and they were up for the game and all that, that the script that that team and Razor and everybody played at and the standard of play in those conditions and the accuracy was absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think that's one of the most enjoyable final wins for a long, for many years, from my point of view. May I ask Justin, would you not have to look past almost that whole Crusaders backline um, as in players and how to play multitasking, uh, playing with depth, multiple kickers um, in winter rugby against the Irish uh, test coming up. How how could they not sort of um, go away from that script? Because it, it was pretty successful. Yeah, really well said. And, and I totally agree with you. Like, I, to be honest, I've not seen that type of faultless performance for, for a very long time. The way that they they went in there, went out there with a, a real mindset of the way they wanted to play, uh, and they did play. They didn't play negatively. They used the ball. Uh, they carried the ball a lot. Um, they tactically played in the right areas, as you mentioned. They played the conditions. They didn't make errors because they didn't push it too hard. Um, but when they needed to, they made line breaks. Um, you know, the, the fact that Fying Anuku was given the licence to roam, when he actually made the break that needs to bring try just before half-time, he got an inside ball from the other side of the field that he should be on. He, he, he was basically following Richie Mwonga around. I certainly think that, um, as, as you mentioned, moving forward, and we're probably going to have some wet weather football in that Irish series, that the likes of David Harvili, uh, Lester Fying Anuku, even Richie Moonga, um, when many have been saying how well Bowden Barrett's been playing, all showed 
that they can be diverse, that they can have flexibility in the way that they play. They do have skills set across the board, and it must have been, uh, I guess, a real uh, eye-opener for Ian Foster and his selectors to see how those guys can play, given the ability to play under a game plan that is suited to their skill set. Yep, and I'm thrilled for Bryn Hall um, yeah. and, and Pablo Matera as well. In fact, both of them played probably the best game of the whole season, I think. Um, I believe they're Bang both on. leaving us. Um, mm. And Pablo's come a long way. His, his skills that he's learnt and uh, blossomed in that game were, were magnificent. So, um, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how Foster goes. And I hope he plays combinations in, in the whole team. And that's the way you have to beat an international team, I believe. Mm, yeah, yeah, thanks for your call, Bruce. Interesting he says that Great because, time. of course, uh, Bryn Hall isn't in the All Blacks, is he? So that would suggest that he's going to go with Bowden. Well, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. It'll be... I, I think... I certainly think that there needs to be a lack of experimentation. I think we need to get solidity about our selections uh, and and I think combinations because of that are really important but I also feel that there are some players that are so close to each other in terms of, of, of their ability that, that he's probably going to have to give a couple of opportunities simply because they're, they're, they're that heavily contested and, and form as well demands it. Um, you know, he, uh, it was Bruce, he, he mentioned Pablo Matera, which I totally agree. It, it's probably the one bone of contention for us, that back row and the, the back row we select. Wouldn't it be good if we could select him at blindside? <laughs> it, would take away, it would take away a hell of a lot of headaches because the way he played as a six is perfectly suited and the, and the Crusaders got their balance right. Even when they had Blackadder playing at seven, what a big back row that was. Blackadder at seven, 112 kgs. Both Cullen Grace and Pablo Matera, 110 kgs. But even throwing Tom Christie, who's put some beef on, with, with that back row and a six that plays like that, plays that tough and hard, you know, we, we, where is that six for for the All Blacks? Who, who is that player? It's um, a... You know, so... Yeah, it would, would be good if Pablo made him see. He seems to be enjoying himself here in New Zealand, mate. His kids are everywhere and... Uh, you know, he's, he's always got a smile on his face. Maybe we convince him to... No, no, you'd have to do too much of a stand-down, actually. Yeah, be too uh, much. Yeah. Too much, too much, mm-hmm. Marshy. All right, well, uh, this is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Uh, uh, Marshy is dreaming away about uh, Pablo Matera and all that jersey. <laughs> uh, but Frank joins us. G'day, Frank. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I'm, a, I'm an avid... Um, I come from Canterbury. I live on the North Island. But it's a, more of a, a religion down there. I remember when Hagley Park, they had, uh, Justin would remember this, but before Justin's time too, Hagley Park had about 20 or 30 play, playing fields on there. Yeah. And um, me being an only child, um, I was picked for the under five stones, you see, and uh, mum used to starch up my pants and dad would shine me shoes and they'd pick me up on a bus and away I'd go, Hagley Park. Brother John Paul had me standing on the sideline for every week of the year, and in the last game of the season, he waved me on the field. Well, I ran on the field, put my head in the scrum, and the referee called, 
One too many men on the field. Off you go, uh, Frank Byrne. I was only five stone, five under five stones. I said, what did you do that for, Brother John Paul? He said, I was only wiping my nose with a handkerchief, you dopey bastard, he said. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got about two or three rugby stories. I might ring, ring you back, but that's true. And yeah. then uh, I progressed to... Um, 21 years later, playing on the side of the scrum at Papara Prison, I used to play every. We used to play every Sunday. Fergie McCormick used to come out once a week and teach us the ropes and all that type of thing. But I wasn't there for long. But um, that's another story by itself. It sounds like I you should write a book, is, Frank. You should write a book. Well, I can't get a ghostwriter. If I could get a ghostwriter with a miniskirt and high heel shoes, I wouldn't mind. I could write a great book. <laughs> but look, um, do you mind me saying this? It was like a first 15 side playing a bloody Irish side, that Auckland side last night. They were beaten right from the minute, one minute on for the whole game. And I don't know how many, many all-butting all-blacks they had on the side. But by Jesus, if I tell you what, I'd ring up Brother John Paul if I could. The only trouble is he'd be about 110 now. So I'll see you later, boys. <laughs> All right, cheers, Frank. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah, well, there's the thing. There were 22 All Blacks for that Irish squad on show last night. Uh, 12 in the Blues team, 10 in the Crusaders team, and uh, there's a few in that uh, red and black that certainly did themselves a uh, did themselves proud and probably edged themselves maybe ahead a couple of their Blues brothers when it comes to All Black time. We'll talk more about that here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run next. Ah, yes. Uh, I'm sensing a theme of the music this afternoon here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Marsh, how about you? I was just about to say, if um, Ben Francis keeps this up, mate, there's a high probability... <laughs> That when you're driving home after the show, you'll be sobbing in your car. <laughs> Mate, Marshy, look what he's put in the studio for me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, box of tissues. Yeah. Box of tissues. A, what, that once was a full box of tissues. Now it only looks like half, half a litre, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I, was, I was listening to the Saturday session tomorrow, uh, yesterday morning, mate, and I, I heard that uh, you, you had a present uh, waiting for you in your hotel room when you got there, some blue balloons, yep. a picture of you somehow in a blues jersey. I don't know how that happened, and a, and a, and a bottle of uh, red from Man of War. Uh, did the bottle of red yes. make it home? Yes, it did, actually. A nice bottle of Syrah. So... Um... I, I can quite conclusively say that the framed-up photo of me in a blues jersey didn't. <laughs> <laughs> have you found uh, the uh, Have you found the culprit yet? Yeah, no. It was all the fine people at the QT Hotel mm. on the viaduct. Uh, they, I regularly stay there. Um, obviously, with my travel with Sky and uh, yeah, they're, they're avid blues supporters. So they they got the banter going nice and early on Friday morning. I walked into my my room, which was covered in those blue and white balloons, and. Uh, streamers all over the place and that that picture so they'd gone to a lot of effort mm. a lot of effort but uh i can tell you mate when i checked out this morning there was no banter whatsoever <laughs> it was all very quiet in the reception area <laughs> i bet mate i bet i used to work with a bloke marshy uh in tauranga back in the in the mid 90s guy called nigel gregory who had was died in the wool crusaders man in canterbury man absolute died in the wool he's the bloke i think i might have mentioned it to you had Re, uh, rewritten the Lord's Prayer to be about accepting merts into your heart and had that as the answer phone on his phone, right? You know, <laughs> like properly mad yeah. Canterbury Crusader fan. And uh, oh. uh, he was the first person that I ever met, you know, uh, being, being Auckland boy, who would just give you 
give you a stick for who who you supported, who your team was. He used to refer to Auckland as Carlos and the hairdressers, and just give me give oh, me a, give me a rev all the time. Uh, and so I'm sure you remember this when Zinzan Brook led uh, Auckland down there for that round Philly Shield game that I'm trying to remember the final scores about forty to six, forty to three. Uh, Played in that. Yeah. 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 So. Um, after that, you, you won't want me reminding you of this either, but after that, myself and one of the other people I worked with who was also from Auckland, uh, we went in on a Sunday, got all the Sunday papers, photocopied them, and we wallpapered <laughs> his office. Wallpapered his oh, office in the, in, the, in the clippings with, you know, Zinzan's uh, Lancaster Bombers and all, the, all those headlines that they had at the time. Beautiful payback sometimes. Um, <laughs> leaves you a bit red in the face, doesn't it? And to go that sort of effort as Ricardo, that, that's uh, commendable. Yeah. Hey, uh, I've got to ask you, mate. Yeah. You mentioned you you'd booked your table and and you you were sitting there with your mates and mm. after twenty minutes it didn't look great. What what was the what was the actual feeling in the pub like? You know throughout the game, you know did, was there any stage when I guess the Blues scored that everybody started to think oh maybe we can get back in this or yeah definitely was it just like pretty sombre. Well, it was sombre for for a while. You know at half time it was a bit flat, but mm. the fact that the Blues had stayed in it for so long. And the score hadn't actually blown out. So when the Blues got the, the converter try, all of a sudden yeah. it's like, and the Blues at that point in time had a little bit of territory and a little bit of possession. It's like, if we yeah. go in again, because I think um, from the kickoff took the ball back into inside the Canterbury 40 or the Crusaders 40. And I'm thinking, yes. man, if, if we score another one here, there's only two points in it. It could be down to a droppy or a down to a down to a penalty. So there was some belief about then. And then I think we cooked the next line out and everybody was like, oh, God. All right, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of how it's feeling. Yeah. But it was, yeah, no, it was, it was a good vibe. It was a good vibe in the in the, in the place. I think everybody kind of was holding on, holding on until of course TV rescored, and then it, we all knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, and then the TVs probably went off, did they? No, the, switched them over with? to the I switched them over to the league only to see the Warriors oh, had lost no. forty to six. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, oh, things are, things are, things aren't that bad. <laughs> no, exactly. Could be worse. Could be a Warriors fan. Exactly, exactly, mate. Uh, coming up after Ben Francis is not happy with me now, mate. Ooh. Tell you what, there is, he's the biggest Warriors fan at ECNZ. He's, uh, he's not a happy chappy. Uh, I knew there's something wrong with him. <laughs> coming up after <laughs> 2 o'clock, Matt Burke is going to join us out of, the, out of Aussie. We'll talk to him about the final from an Aussie point of view and, and, and the story coming out of Aussie about Rugby Australia potentially leaving Super Rugby. We'll do that after 2 o'clock. Keep your texts coming through as well. Double eight, double three. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It's just gone 2 o'clock here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall are with you at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Joining us from the land down under over the other side of the ditch, a place I like to refer to as West Island, is Matt Burke. G'day, mate. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm great. I haven't heard that intro before. A bit of land down under, mate. You might want to swap it for a bit of ACDC or something. You never know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you, you want something a bit more up tempo, a bit louder, a bit more guitar heavy? A, a, a bit louder, a bit guitar, a bit screaming. No, no, all good, all good, all good. This neck of the woods is uh, is good, as you said, West Country. West, yeah, yeah, the West Island, mate. The West. Island. Have you have you got a go to ACDC track or album? Oh, it's the old Back in Black, wasn't it? That was the one. And that was, uh, I think everyone was a winner on that day. It was, uh, that, that gets a run. That should get a run before we, uh, before I play footy, you know. You stick it in the earpods and, and, uh, and, and listen to that, try and get you fired up. Yeah. I, I, how did you go with a song called Back in Black? We're in the blue and gold if you were, uh, if, uh, sorry, the green and gold if you're about to run out against the ABs. 
Did you have to change yeah, that for yeah. those games? I, 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 <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't that intimidated by the words. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> it was a. Uh, I think that I think that we had the blackout there in '99. Uh, I think it was, and that was an interesting one. I think that was that was 33, not many. I think that day, and I think Mertz was kicking goals uh, left, right, and south. Actually, I think Marshy scored that day as well. If I remember, he'll he'll be able to tell us straight away. I'm sure. Marshy, can you do you recall? I tell you what, I, I haven't got the memory of Berkey to be perfectly honest, um, <laughs> but I do I do remember that particular game. So. If I crossed the line, um, you know, I'd be pretty happy, Berkey, to be perfectly honest. Mate, if you want me to relive the moment, we were, dying, we were five from out, out from our line, scrum, passed the ball back, Roffy knocked it on, and uh, you were there, Johnny, on the spot, um, and oh. scored the try. You actually only probably went about half a metre, but, mate, stretch it out to twenty twenty five if you want to. That's okay. <laughs> I do recall it now, actually, that you mention it. Yes, was was one of the more gifted ones. It was very nice of you guys to give me that. <laughs> <laughs> take that, take that every day of the week. Yeah, it was the only try of the game, or the only all-black try of the game. Actually, you outscored us two tries to one in that game, but like you said, Mertz kicked nine pins that day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Mertz must was be- having a, a field day and, and knocking it over, that's right. Must have been like playing the Poms. <laughs> <laughs> all that kicking. So they hit field goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate, exactly. Hey, Matt, I, I, I imagine you you sat down to tune in to watch uh, the, the Super Rugby Pacific final last night, probably cursing that yeah. there wasn't a Brumbies team in there. But uh, what did you make of it, and how impressed were you with the way that Scott Robertson's Crusaders dealt with that blue side? Well, they just, uh, I mean, you, you talk about going with a plan, isn't it? And that was the one. And, and you know, last night, I, I think like many of the, the punters and, and, and certainly the, you know, all the uh, the gambling agencies had, um, you know, the, the, the Blues in front, especially at home. Uh, and I thought maybe this would be their time as well. The way that they've been playing, their interaction of forward passing, uh, you know, sort of up the guts has been outstanding. Uh, but last night, um, you know, pressure, pressure of the finals. You know, their, their line-out was off. Their scrum was OK at parts. Uh, there was a lot of drop ball in the back. I know it was difficult conditions, but, you know, it's not as if you blokes are not used to that. Um, you know, Roger Tulabashashek was just off a bit, Bowden just off a bit. So all of a sudden, you just, if that release valve comes on, uh, and then you got, uh, you know, the other side of the coin, you got Moanga just sort of leading the charge, you know, knocking out the field goals, kicking field position, uh, and just making smart choices. So um, it's amazing what, uh, what big games do to you with your temperament, I suppose. And, uh, and and if you allow someone to have enough rope, um, they can certainly do some damage sometimes. You, you've been to finals and big games, Berkey. What, why do you think, you know, Leon McDonald's an astute coach and th- there are yeah. good experienced Blues players, all black players within that Blues organisation that mm. would have known that the Crusaders would turn up with that edge and, and, and be as clinical as they wa- they were. So, why do you, what do you think was the catalyst for them not performing on the night from what you saw? Do you think tactically they got it a bit wrong? Uh, Marshall, I suppose you have to go to the other side and say, you know, how well did uh, did Razor's crew do from their side to be able to mm. negate a Blues team that had, uh, you know, won everything um, throughout the season. You know, lost that one game round two by one point, you know, and so... Was there complacency? I don't think there's complacency going to these games. They're, the players are too good for that. Um, I think what it comes down to is just, you know, like pressure. You know, just pressure. Pressure is an amazing thing. Pressure can make you crumble and fall apart or, or allow you to thrive. And, you know, what we saw last night was, 
you know, they're, they're pushing the pass. And when you're down a couple of points, you think to yourself, I've, I've, got, to, I've got to press that pass. That, that 50-50 turns into a sort of mm. a 40-60. And, and usually, you know, and, and this is my admiration from New Zealand rugby, you know, the, you boys can throw a 70-30 and, and, and pick it off, you know, and, and that's what they'd been doing all year. Uh, last night, the 50-50s didn't work. And, and all of a sudden, you're playing catch-up. Uh, and when you're in the lead, all you have to do is just keep sort of just turning the cogs a bit and put the pressure on. Uh, and then, as, as we saw in the end, um, yeah, just smart play. You know, smart play, kick your threes when they're on offer, take your field goals when they're on offer, uh, and just get that scoreboard pressure. And, and it's amazing how much that builds on the other side. And they would have been calm enough to think, you know, can we score, you know, 14 points, um, you know, at, at one stage there. Uh, yeah. And which, to all the other teams, the Blues were all over that. They could do that. They could turn up the heat and do it. But last night, uh, you know, a committed Crusader side uh, put them under pressure. There's 22 All Blacks out there last night, and we, we chatted through the whole week about some of the classic ma- matchups: the Barrett, the Moonga, Rico Yawani. Yeah. Um, you know, up, up against Jack Goodyear, etc. But a couple of new All Blacks that got named um, that I'd like to ask you about: Stephen Petafeta has been named as a as a yeah. team but obviously he can still play fullback. And uh, Lester Fying Anuku, uh, yeah, what, what, how did you see their performances last night? And secondly, um, you know, do you see them featuring in, in, in an all-black run-on side? Mate, I love, uh, I, I love what uh, Perifita's been doing in that 15 role. He scored that, uh, with that great try-saving tackle against the Brumbies last week. Um, mm. uh, his goal-kicking is on song. You know, the great part about it is, uh, you know, the... the the production line continues, uh, you know, for you guys. And th- there's never any uh, complacent moment, I think, in, in New Zealand rugby when you're looking at uh, uh, positions. So you can't, you can't necessarily say, you know, like a good all, pardon me, a good here uh, is a, 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 a shoo-in. And, and when you look around these players, so the great part about it is the exposure that, um, that they do get. And, 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 you know, I love the fact that, you know, you're not locked into a, a black jersey. You've got to earn that black jersey. So, you know, when these performances come out, and, and, and look, you know, last night, what would you call it, a, a, little, a little bit of a, a hiccup for the Blues doesn't mean that, you know, these players are not going to get selected um, for the mm. All Blacks. Uh, you know, you base it on the, the, the time that they had throughout the season. And look, there have been some good performances throughout there. And, and, you know, and hats off to those guys that, that performed and, and put their way through. So I don't think performances last night is going to be uh, in the big scheme of things. It, it was a... It was a night when uh, the ball, uh, I suppose, or the bounce of the ball went in, in favour of the Crusaders, and they took their chances. You know, if they had it again, they would have played a little bit different. But, you know, understanding conditions, understanding pressure is a, is a big part of it. And, and last night, the Crusaders were able to do that. Matt, there's been some noise uh, about Damien McKenzie coming back to New Zealand out of Japan, and he's just apparently signed yeah. an eight, 18-month deal with New Zealand Rugby, which will take him to the end of the next Rugby World Cup. Uh, he's, you know, pretty much behind Barrett and Mwanga, always has been, and he's been that option off the bench that can do 10 or 15. How do you compare yeah. him with Peter Fetter? I mean, do you think he's behind Peter Fetter, or do you think when he comes back in, once he plays a bit of club footy in Southland, he'll be back in ahead of him? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, this is the interesting call. Isn't it? This is sort of the way of the world at the moment, isn't it? Players are jumping out mid, mid-World Cup cycle, coming back trying to uh, trying to win their spots, but you know, as we saw, if 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 someone uh, like a Damian McKenzie was in and around and and contributing with you know the Chiefs, for example, you know, Perifeta doesn't really get a, a start or a look in. He becomes there. So 
Um, I think well done to um, uh, uh, to Perry Feather in, in in regards to be able to put his name up in life to say, hey, don't forget me. Um, you can't write out uh, or write off Damien McKenzie. You know, he's um, uh, with what he's done previously. Uh, it's on his resume. Uh, my only question is, will they have enough legs? after a couple of seasons in Japan, knowing that's a little bit easier, knowing that you've just bit off the pace, perhaps, because of the, the standard up there. So he'll he'll come back and, and, um, and have to re- you know, reapply himself um, to, to super rugby and, and pick up that pace again. Is he good enough to do that? Absolutely. Will he be good enough to, uh, to force his way into, uh, uh, on the conversations around do we choose him in amongst that group of players that you just mentioned before? So... Yeah, that competitive nature lives on, uh, you know, over in New Zealand. And, um, you know, he's, he's obviously taken a gamble to, to come back and, and, and throw his hand in the ring um, to have a crack at, uh, you know, World Cup selection. So it'll be an interesting, uh, what, 18 months, uh, you know, season and a half for these guys. Because at the same time, I, I, I know that, you know, from a, an Australian perspective, they'll, they'll be resting a couple of players next year as well. So it also gives an opportunity for those players to come through and um, and just say, hey, remember me, remember what I did. So when you come to selection, uh, don't forget me. Yeah, don't forget me at all. Uh, you got you got plenty coming through over over your neck of the woods, mate. Big fan of that um, Tane Edmed. I think he's a, he's a he's a great find. He's probably yeah. pushed himself ahead of Ben Donaldson. I would say in the reckoning, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and you know, Walter boy, he was um, you know he, we had to. We had to recontract him uh, to make him stay at the Waratahs. But, uh, you know, I, I always say to people, you know, that you get your, you get your start wherever by means of good fortune, good luck, someone else's injury, you just take it. And, and for him, it was uh, an injury to, to Harrison and then an injury to Donaldson. He comes on. Um, I like the way he plays. He plays flat. He's a good goal kicker. He's got a good pass as well. And, and all of a sudden, he's put himself in that reckoning. So he's in the Australia A team that's going to be playing in the Pacific Nations uh, tournament, which is great for him. And, and you know, he's, um, he's shone as a, as, as a junior. Like, he's, 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 he's done a bit of, uh, as we've spoken about before, Marsh, he's done a bit of apprenticeship on the way through. And now he's sort of, you know, at the big stage. So, um, you know, well done to him and, and, uh, and the other boys that sort of you know, made that... Uh, made that rep team, if you call it that, that and, and been recognised for their work throughout the year. So, yeah, there's plenty of people. Let's um, uh, Suliasi Bunavalu get to start. Reese Hodge goes back to the A team, um, uh, hammered by injuries all year uh, and, and last mm. year as well. So they're just sort of saying, let's give you one more go to see where you are in, in this environment and, um, and see how it plays out because, uh, you know, we know what he's done in, in rugby league. We've, he's have a, we've had a little taste in rugby union. But certainly, uh, you know, big, strong, fast finisher, and that's what that's what our boys need. Certainly. Well, I think the the the, the other side of the, the coin is the exposure is good for these players to not only experience playing um, within their own environment against you know like for like players, but equally you know putting themselves up against New Zealand players. So, what's going on with yeah. all this crap that's coming out of, <laughs> of Australian <laughs> rugby right now, mate? Is it, golly, uh, gosh, what are you guys up to? <laughs> Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Just throw a little oh. curveball just to make you like a little bit nervous, if, if that's the word. Uh, no, it's an inter- it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you know uh, uh, the, the way uh, the way the rugby's worked out at the moment. Uh, lines down here in 2025, World Cup 27, Women's World Cup 29. Um, so they're they're sort of saying, well, I can imagine what they're saying is financially um, they're uh, they're in it. They'll, they'll be in a good place. Um, look, I, I, will it happen? I don't think so. 
um, it's a, it's maybe a, just a, a wake up call for to say, hey, remember us, don't forget us. You know, when we sit at the table and do the, the broadcasting rights, I'm sure, and that, that, I'm sure that's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to money in the end of it, doesn't it, mate? So you're just trying to yeah. press a, a hand or, or, or play a hand. Um, you know, I heard Timmy Horan speak about it the other day, and I spoke about it as well. It's, it's, mate, we need to play you blokes because you know you always test yourself at that level to be able to um, uh, to, to to gauge where you are. And and again, this Super Rugby season has has seen that too. Uh, when you know the Brumbies pushed uh, what the Blues to to one point the other day, so. Yeah, you gauge yourself from where you are. So, Blitters like Cup time coming up again. I know we've got England coming up, but uh, England's a different beast to playing you blokes in black jerseys. Mate, that's a lot more diplomatic answer than I got from Jeremy Paul on Friday. <laughs> he said that's the single worst idea I've ever heard. JP, he doesn't mind speaking his mind. He doesn't mind speaking his mind. Um, it's, uh, yeah, look, it, it's a, you can take it two, you can take it one or two ways. You know, like if, if you, you can say it's the, 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 the most single, uh, minded, uh, stupid call, or you can say, um, is it a strategic call? And, and look, there's there's higher powers than me that that uh, you know are sitting down at, at board meetings and trying to work out map out a plan. And and look, it's you know the, the competition that we uh, have to do over here and compete with rugby league, AFL, uh, soccer in 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 a small matter of fact is uh, is a big uh, is a big part of of being strategic. But certainly, uh, you know, playing together with you blokes and playing in that competition is, is something that I've always enjoyed, I've always done, I always look forward to it. Would a for and against Australian uh, conference work? It would work. Would it get the numbers? Yeah, maybe. But certainly there's interest when we play um, across the Tasman, that's for sure. Yeah, good stuff, Matt. Hey, listen, thanks very much for joining us on your Sunday, mate. Really appreciate it. Go well and uh, enjoy the rest of it, eh? Good on you, boys. Thanks for... Oh, nice chat, as always. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Uh, Matt Burke there with us, uh, Wallabies legend. Uh, and some interesting things he had to say there as well, Marshy. Have, have you uh, heard anything about uh, DMAT coming back? He's apparently going to be running around, not this weekend, but maybe next weekend or two, uh, for a club side in, in Southland. And I, I wondered, does that mean he's putting himself in the mix for a starting 10 jersey at the Highlanders for next season? Wow, yeah. I hadn't thought about it down that pathway I obviously was just looking at it from a he needs rugby perspective and you know he's a Southland lad so obviously it makes sense for him to go back to his club um, background uh, but yeah there's no doubt that the Highlanders are seeking a player like Damien McKenzie particularly you know across the board because he can play multiple positions so to have that type of player within your armory would be really really um, productive for, for the Highlanders, you know. I think there's a few players out there that the Highlanders will be will be targeting. You know, whether or not they get them is a different story. Like I, like I was looking last night at, say, the Crusaders, and you're running George Bridge on with 20 minutes to go, and, mm. and there's a guy that's just not playing any rugby who again can play from centre, you know, right across the board. And the Highlanders would love to have a guy like that in their stable, I'm sure. So. Yeah, that's really interesting twist on it, Ricardo. I hadn't thought about that. That, that. You know, that's why while I was out at the dark depths celebrating the Crusaders' win last night and you were going through those um, those tissues, uh, <laughs> there's one that's done their research and one that hasn't. <laughs> I don't know how much research I've done. Ben just told me he signed for New Zealand rugby and the Chiefs for 18 months, so maybe not, maybe not. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> bollocks. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I did wonder, though, you know, if you're Damien McKenzie, 
and you go, I mean, because I've heard for, heard you know through through Beaver, you know, who knows him really well, that he wants to be a ten. He doesn't really want to be a fifteen. If he goes back mm-hmm. to the Chiefs, you got Josh Uwani and you got um, you know Bryn Gatlin there, and Bryn Gatlin is definitely a ten. Josh Uwani can play both. But there's that, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're coaching that team, you go, well, I have the best of both worlds because I can play a Bryn Gatlin at 10 and a D-Mac at 15. And if you're Damien, you're like, no, I want to be a 10. I mean, that's where I suppose he's got the way. He could go to a Highlanders set up and go, I'll come, but you have to play me at 10. I'm not a 15. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. And, and, and if a player uh, wants to press a claim for a particular posi- uh, position, then that's the right way to go about it. Isn't it interesting how quickly things can change, like in a calendar year? Now, it, it would have, wouldn't have, I don't think, warmed uh, Damien McKenzie's heart to see Stephen Pietofeta named in that mm. all-black side as a 10. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Will Jordan and uh, Geordie Barrett as 15s. And all of a sudden, a guy that was a regular in the all-blacks, now, yeah, he didn't get a lot of starts, but he was always off the bench, having gone and had his sabbatical and collected a massive paycheck to do it in Japan. And now he's trying to find his way back into New Zealand rugby and possibly the All Blacks through club rugby and then the pressure of going to to the Chiefs, like you say, to try and get a jersey. You know, how quickly things change here in this country, you know? He Man, rolled the dice. It's, it's, yeah, that's right. You roll the dice and you decide to opt out. And we've, we've seen recently that those players coming back from Japan have taken time to rediscover the formula, you know, mm. like, and I think a couple of high profile ones, um, certainly were Brody Retallick and Bowden Barrett. It took them. I think it took Bowden a season. He's been outstanding this year. And so has Brody, but the, the, the year before, mm, well, TJ's quite there. TJ's another one. You can argue yeah, he, hasn't, he hasn't fully discovered, rediscovered it yet. No. So for all of the, for all of the, the you know, how, I guess, glamorous it looks, a decision to go and play in Japan and, and have this sabbatical and then New Zealand rugby invite you back. It's still a massive gamble on the players' behalf yeah. to, to try and then w- regain that ground that you've quite obviously lost and you've let that machine of talent um, you know, produce more players, which puts you under more pressure. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Keen to get your thoughts. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 or 8833 is the temper bed post text machine. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you through till 3 o'clock at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. In today's Voltaren Rapid 25 wrap-up. There were finals galore across rugby competitions around the world. The Stormers clinched the inaugural United Rugby Championship title, beating the Bulls in Cape Town 18-13. Meanwhile, Freddie Burns' last-minute drop goal against Saracens clinched, uh, clinched Leicester Tigers' 11th Premiership title and the first in nine years, the Tigers winning 15-12. Sorry, Marchie. Bring that back up. Uh, also, Castro Olympique uh, set up the French Top 14 final against Montpellier uh, with both sides winning their respective semi-finals. And then other news. Marshy's ex-teammate, Todd Blackadder, is a leading candidate for the vacant role at the Glasgow Warriors. Blackadder is currently coaching in Japan with the Toshiba Brave Lupus. Uh, there you go. back pain get in the way. Get fast relief with Voltaren Rapid 25. Read the label, use as directed. If symptoms persist, see your doctor. Incorrect use may be harmful. Do not use if you have stomach ulcers. GSK Auckland.
What do you reckon, Marshy? Every every chance we get a Mick Blackadder at Glasgow at some point? Wow, I think there is. He's already coached in Scotland, obviously. I mm. think he coached Edinburgh. Yeah, he um, did. Yeah, so, and Scotland? Was he assistant coach of Scotland? He was involved Maybe not. in Scotland, wasn't he? He was involved up there yeah. at some point, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's obviously, if he's being touted uh, to go back there, that's probably something that he's considering. He knows it well, knows the environment. Um, he's used to the cold, so <laughs> he's probably un- unfazed by, go- by going there. Indeed. Hey, we've got a couple of texts through on double eight double three. This one from Pete uh, from Winton. Afternoon, guys. Can you ask Justin of the All Black squad picked and played in the final? Who would you say played their way into and out of the squad, or out of the fifteen? I guess he's saying. Um, look, I, I certainly have been banging the drum for uh, Leicester Fying and Luku um, all season. Uh, I, I certainly think that we just need to. We need somebody with that type of power uh, in our backline, um, you know. Particularly if we if we play, you know, like for like type centres, and uh, we, we we go down that pathway, we've we've lost the, the impact of a, a Ma'anonu in particular, or a low Mapi, or a big carriers like that. That carry needs to come from the wing. So I certainly think that he went a long way to playing himself uh, into a starting spot last night. Uh, he really showed the true power that he's got to carry defenders, to break tackles. The offload he gave early in the game was out of this world. Um, so he, he would be one. Um, in terms of, I don't think, I, I agree with what Matt Burke said. I don't entirely feel in, in the context of one game you can play yourself out of out of a side. Um, but you can be made to look ordinary by how well the opposition plays. Um, I certainly think quite a few of those players that have had good momentum in the Blues side uh, in particular um would would have learnt uh, a really harsh lesson uh, in terms of not of not being quite there and a little bit off. Um, but I, I can't, you know, really think of anybody that has done themselves any harm and played themselves out. But certainly, the other player probably that was matched up as a head to head that's probably helped his cause uh, twofold from his performance last night was David Harvey. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just thought that he was. You know, when he went, he went toe-to-toe with Roger Tuivasa-Shek. They're probably the two 12s vying for one jersey, really. Yeah. Um, unless, they, unless they're thinking about Goodhue being 12 and Rico staying at centre. Um, but otherwise, yeah, the, 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 that, that duel there, um, I certainly felt that David Harvey really pushed his case big time. He was outstanding last night. Yeah, he had a great game last night. I mean, as much as um, Roger didn't have a lot of ball, so he didn't no. have, have a lot of opportunity. But I mean, I thought Roger defended extremely well, and that doesn't often get often that doesn't get noticed, right? So, not 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 a lot went through Roger, if if you like. Uh, but Harvey no. had all the ball and got the had the 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 stage to show what he could do. I guess you'd say. Yeah, and what I really liked was he was really strong in contact. Mm. You know, like when when he was asked to go forward, he went forward, and and he regularly sort of he got a weak shoulder or he got over the advantage line. He wasn't getting knocked over and knocked backwards. You know, um, totally agree with what you said about uh, Tuivasa-Shek. Um, I, ser- I certainly don't feel that the Blues helped helped him get into that game. I think I even said it in commentary. There was there was stages in that game early where just give him the ball, give him the ball early. Yeah. You know, whether it was off Sotutu or Finley Christie, just a direct pass where he's not got defenders in his face. Let him do some footwork. He's very good just just pre-contact, he's very good. He's explosive 
into contact. He probably could have with his foot where it got them over the advantage line because running hard and straight at the Crusaders last night simply was not working. Mm. Um, so I don't – and getting into the game early sometimes really uh, boosts your confidence and – I, I don't feel that the Blues um, helped him last night by not allowing him to get in the game when there are plenty of instances he could have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ron's texted through as well on uh, the Temper Bedpost text machine saying, Hi, team. Good to see a midfield combo working as a team and not as individuals. That should be the all-black combination. Uh, I assume he's talking about the Crusaders midfield versus the Blues midfield yeah. there. But I didn't feel like the Blues midfield performed as individuals. I just don't think the Blues midfield got ball to do anything once again. No, they, again, they were hamstrung by, you know, a very good Crusaders defensive effort, which was cutting off at source. Uh, you know, I think even Leon McDonald mentioned it in his post-game interview where he said, you know, they were very good at the breakdown. They slowed our ball down a lot. We couldn't get any genuine momentum um, into the contact zone. So we were getting um, slow ruck ball and, and stagnant rucks. And, and because of that, you know, you... When, you, when the defence is coming at you and coming with really good line speed, it doesn't often get very far past that first receiver, um, you know, because he's 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 got pressure on him and he doesn't want to put it to a player more compromised. And, and, and that's why I, I sort of was mentioning, I think, you know, that's where someone probably with a little bit more experience and, and Roger will, will learn this, he needs to, to gravitate in and he needs to put his hand up as being a first-up carrier, not wait for someone to pass it to him. And equally so does Rico. Like he, he's been outstanding at centre, and he, he's grown um, monumentally this year, I think. But you also have to, when the ball's not coming to you as a centre, you you have to go looking for it. And I I didn't feel he did that last night. He was still sitting out there, waiting for the ball to come to him. Um, and I think that that's that that's where. You know, you need to take the initiative as a player. So, I, yes, I agree they, they, they didn't get the right ball, but equally I don't think they had the mindset to get themselves into the game, which they needed to do. What did you make of good Hughes' performance? I thought it was really good. I, I um, You know, I've, I've, I've just wondered whether or not he's been slightly off the pace since coming back from his injury, and, mm. and, and I think Enor's been really good, and, and I've said that quite openly. Uh, but I certainly think in the semi-final and the final, uh, he, he made massive gains to getting back to where he was. Uh, I certainly don't feel at the moment um, the way that the Crusaders are playing that they're possibly utilising his skill set for, for an outside break and an offload. Uh, but they didn't need to and they wouldn't have wanted to last night given the conditions. But defensively, once again, he's he's always very, very sound. Um, you know, the fact that the Blues weren't able to, to make really any line breaks um, at all across the park when they had dangerous players like Talia, like Yuani, even AJ Lamb, who seems to break tackles, um, you know, without thinking about it, none, none of them really threatened the outside channel, mm. and that's Goodhue's zone. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it was really pleasing how his performance uh, lifted. Equally, it was quite interesting to see that they they took Harvey off with twenty to go and, and put him in at twelve, um, and and so obviously there's still. Thought, I thought there that that could be his position in moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting. We seem to have a uh, a, a bit of a 
uh, procession of people wanting that that number twelve jersey in, in the All Blacks. You know, if you had Geordie Barrett to that list alongside, yeah, you know, everybody yeah. else. Uh, we've had a, a text through here, just I'm going to read this text and then we'll take a break and I'll come back and give you give you five minutes to think about it. But uh, yeah, so this <laughs> this text come through and I, I thought this was um, which was quite a good. Uh, or uh, not good, but an interesting call. I'd be keen to get your thoughts on it. Um, it doesn't matter who coaches the All Blacks. I cannot remember a time in my life when we don't have any of the best players in the world in their position. 2015, we had nine or ten of the best players in the world in their possession. In their position, I should say. Not the coach's fault, but we can't win the World Cup without that. We need at least four players who are the best in their position to play the World Cup. Uh, to win the World Cup, I should say. So uh, it hasn't put a name to it, but basically saying we've got some good players, but none of them are outstanding and the best in their position in the world. Um, keen to get your thoughts on that. Marshy, we'll do that next here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ, 26 away from 3 o'clock at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. <laughs> 21 away from 3 o'clock here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And uh, that song probably pumping out of Sam Whitelock's wool shed as we speak. I don't know if there's a, uh, a Kegel 3 from Marshy's private stash heading north from his own brew. I don't know. Oh, no, mate. Those those guys will be well equipped. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I, would, I would suggest that they would be probably uh, seeking seeking something a little bit stronger after going to the dark depths last night, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, probably, you're probably right, mate. You're probably right. Now, before the break, I asked you uh, about this text that we've had come through. We don't have a name attached to it, but basically saying that currently the All Blacks don't have the best player in their position in the world in any position across the park. I'm not saying we don't have that we have bad players, but just not saying that we have the best player in their position across the park, um, which I found an interesting take. Not something I agree with. I mean, the first thing I would say is, uh, well, Aaron Smith, but I don't know where you are on that, Marshall. What do you think? Yeah, I certainly think you need you know world class players and and world class players to be in the, in peak form uh, so that they are actually displaying all of that class when they are selected to play on the international stage. Um, you know, and I would argue that we do have players across the board that are um, the best in their position. You know, there's not there's not many better locks going around, I don't think, than Brodie Retallick and, mm. and possibly even Sam Whitelock. Um, you mentioned Aaron Smith, you know, ugly Dupont slightly better than him, but Aaron Smith's not far behind. Um, there's not many rugby players uh, around the globe doing some of the things Will Jordan's doing um, in any position. Uh, there's not many finishing wingers like Seve Reese. You know, the, the ability for him to finish a try is like, he would probably have to be the best in the world at finishing. Uh, so, you know, then you throw um, Bowden Barrett into the mix. Uh, you know, so I, I certainly think that we do have world-class players who are the best in their jersey in the world when they're on form. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it also equally has to do with combinations, you know, mm. making sure that those players that are being selected, and this is, a, again, this is a, a, a big, big round drum that I've been banging all year and, and longer, uh, even last year, that, you know, we need to be selecting those players in, in their rightful jersey, the jersey that they are displaying their best skills at. And, and that means the coaches have to make brutal decisions, you know, like they, they have to decide between... Geordie Barrett and Will Jordan at 15, and one player has to miss out. They have to decide between Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga, and a player has to miss out. And then that goes to reinforce 
bloody hell, we actually do have some depth. We're going to have to put one of those types of players on the bench, yeah. including, you know, decide whether uh, Artie Savia is a better flanker than Sam Kane. And if he is, you know, one of them goes on the bench. That's as, that's as brutal as we have to get if we want to go forward. Well, actually, just on that, I'll throw another name in there, Dalton Papali'i. So Dalton Papali'i, Sam yeah. Kane, Artie Savia. One's on the starting 15, one's on the bench, one's in the stands. Yeah, I know, I know. So we, we do have the, uh, the talent and depth, but what, what we've done traditionally in the past is we've found a spot for the, all those players. Mm. So you'd put Papali'i on the blind side, Savia at eight, and Sam Kane at seven, and there you go, you get to start all three. <laughs> and that's the way we fix it. But yeah. that's the wrong way to fix it because we're not solidifying um, players in the positions where they are the strongest and equally where we are best equipped to, to evolve our game. And, you know, we, we're going to have to get to a point where we are that that brutal in our selections that we are picking players in the jersey uh, because they're good enough to be in it and a good player is going to have to swallow missing out on selection. Uh, had this text come through from Rick in Topor as well, and I like this because I don't know if he's saying, damn, Whitelock was enormous, or if he's just misspelt Sam. But either way, Damn Whitelock should be his new nickname. Uh, he says, uh, <laughs> Damn Whitelock was enormous. So many times he's doing the hard yards without the commentators commenting on it. So many games his workload goes unannounced, which then leads to the social media drum beaters wanting change. The guy is the best lock we have ever had and still leads the pack. I thought Sam Whitelock last night was absolutely superb. You know, he, he is the architect of the lineup for the Crusaders. So he is the decision maker. He's the call maker. He'll decide where the ball's being thrown. Um, so he's making those calls, but equally he'll decide where to compete, um, try and pick off the opposition lineup. So a lot of what they were doing last night in tandem with Scott Barrett, obviously, is very much his domain. And, um, you know, the, the disruption that they called that caused that Blues uh, lineup was... Uh, yeah, catastrophic for the Blues. To, it stopped them from getting into the game in that first quarter in particular. But equally, oh, I totally agree. Um, the work that Sam Whitlock uh, does around the breakdown, you know, I think he got three clear turnovers last night, really important ones. That, um, that one about 10 yeah. metres out from the, the Crusaders' try line off the black Absolutely. of that Blues line-out yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, he got that one. Um, he got the one that led to uh, Sebu Reese's try. Yep. He got the turnover there, uh, so you know I don't I, I, I don't agree that he the work that he do, he does goes unnoticed. I think it's very noticeable. You know if you, if you're not watching break uh, the the game and you're watching whenever Sam Whitelock's had a breakdown or making a tackle, and he's not annoying you if you're not a Crusaders and All Black fan, then you don't know the game because that guy is always pushing, shoving people, shunting it out of the way, looking for turnovers, making tackles, getting back to his feet. Yeah, he is not arguably, I don't think, he is easily one of the best locks we have ever produced. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a great shout. Stephen has texted in as well saying, uh, Ricardo, uh, Tom Robinson is not a lock. The Crusaders made him and good he look like schoolboys. McDonald was too slow to react and get Romano on. Uh, your thoughts on that? I, I actually was surprised when Romano wasn't starting, and I thought, you know, there's people have been saying that Oli Jaeger, um, much like Ethan De Groot, sort of schooled up uh, a couple of All Black props in the in the Blues setup. But it's also about obviously what's behind them in the engine room, and you know, were the Blues underpowered in the second row? 
Yeah, I certainly think that Tom Robinson's been a bit of a revelation at lock because the Blues, when they can get good forward momentum, uh, you know, the, the ability that he has to play that role, the carry that he brings to the team, he's a really committed cleaner. He's pretty tough at the breakdown. Um, but but there are there is also the fine art of playing lock. And, and when you come up against two of the best locks the world have to, on offer at the moment, it's not going to be an easy task. And they will look, most people, they'll make most locks look ordinary, you know, particularly when you haven't played there a great deal. So I don't think it's a, a slight on him and, and Goodhue because they're both young and, and green compared to those two guys, you know, Barrett and Whitelock. Um but I do agree. I actually said at half time, I said to um, Tony Johnson, I said, I am very surprised that they haven't already, but I, I don't see it being far away that um, Luke Romano's on the field and equally Dalton Papali'i. Mm. Like, uh, I think they, they just need those guys on the field real quick, not only, not only for what they can bring in terms of the way they played the game and their physicality, but simply because the, the, the Blues were, like I said, they were in a, a state of daze at the way the Crusaders are playing and bringing on, I think, you know, Elon McDonald admitted it, that Papa Lee, he's been like a, a, a leader that everyone's followed this year. You've got to get him out there. Mm. And, and equally Romano with his experience to try and right the problems that they're having. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's fair comment. Uh, I mean, Robinson felt like to me, um, this season has been, have been very good, but he definitely feels more like a six who can play lock versus the other yep. way around. Um, yep. Do you think it came down to either him or Tupu Vai'i for that uh, 36-man All Black squad? Because they kind of do a similar job in a way. Yeah, they do. And, and now, obviously, um, you know, the All Blacks, with Lord being out, mm. uh, you know, that, that promotes somebody up the, the chain a bit further. Um, so... Yeah, that, that versatility is one that we've, we've spoken about and you've got to, you've got to be careful um, with. And, and I think that that's a classic example of the point I was trying to make before. Mm. You know, guys have got to be specialists in their positions. And, and if, they, if, they, if they can't command a start, what, why are we then shifting them into someone else's zone and compromising that zone? And I think, you know, Tom Robinson obviously has an outstanding season. He was captain in the side there um, as well. Um, when Papa Lee was missing and doing a really good job, as was Bowden Barrett. Um, so he's got leadership qualities. But if he's not a better player on the blind side or or not so much a better player or he doesn't fit the, the balance and the game plan and the shape the Blues want to play than uh, Akira Iwani, then he's got to be on the bench. Yeah. And, and that's 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 where we need to get to as as, as an all-black side. So... They they decided to go the, the the way down the pathway of we prefer to start a carer at six, so we're going to put you at lock, and what and was that the right call ultimately? Yeah, that's a, a great question, and probably not at the end of the day from what we saw last <laughs> night. Uh, to be fair, uh, we are twelve away from three o'clock. When we come back on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, uh, I'm going to get Justin to to forecast and give us what he thinks the All Black backline will look like for the first test against the Irish. It was a blaze of glory last night for the Crusaders at Eden Park and for Marshy with the team probably in Kingsland in the city afterwards after that as well. Uh, Marshy, um, we're just about done on the Bunnings Trade, a rugby run at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping businesses out trade. But Marshy's going to try and make uh, Fozzie's job easier by telling us what the All Black backline's going to look like for the first test against the Irish. 
Wow, no pressure, hey? None. <laughs> None whatsoever. Well, look, I, I certainly think he's he's got um, some pretty important decisions to make, and that, that that's quite clear. Uh, what what I'd like to see is like um, like like I've said, particularly over the last hour, is players being selected in their best position. So because of that, I certainly think we need to select some power on the wing. If we're not going to have it in the, uh, massively in the midfield, um, we need to have one winger. Uh, big, powerful, strong carrier. So, you know, at the moment, that's less defying a nuku. Uh, he, he just ticks every box in terms of being able to do that. His work rate's massive. And the other wing, we just have to have a, an out-and-out out out finisher. And, and whether that looks like Sever Reese or Rico Iwane, I'm not sure. Um, fullback, for me, is quite clear-cut um, that they have to select a fullback uh, who plays there regularly. And, um, and at my, at my, in my mind, that's Will Jordan. Um, I don't think we want to compromise and put him on the wing. I, I think, you know, he, players who are going to open up teams need to be in their best jerseys. And for me, you know, he's a, he's a Christian Cullen. Um, and and you, the minute we started moving Cully around and compromising, he wasn't the same player. Uh, the midfield's the one that I'm unsure about. I'd love to see them try Geordie in the midfield. Um, I think the performance of Harvey and Goodhue last night went a long way to them um, being in the framework. Uh, and 10, I don't want to go near. No way, mate. I'm not going there. <laughs> Good luck, Fozzie, on that. And obviously, Nuggy at halfback. Uh, uh, so there you go. And, and I mean, I halfway answered your question. Yeah, halfway answered the question. I was going to say on Fionganuku, I think you're right at the moment, but it'll be interesting when Caleb Clark's fit again because that will, will give them a couple of options there. It will because he's got the power, but he, he, he is not at the level that Fionganuku is playing at at the moment. Yeah, good the stuff. Yeah. All right, Justin, go well, mate. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. No doubt it involving. Uh, a lot of sleep. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.